Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com/results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com/results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Wednesday Night War Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review the Wednesday Night War. And if you want to know our thoughts ahead of AEW Dynamite, that is available as a podcast right now. We also review Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to NXT and, well, possibly for the final few weeks of the Wednesday Night War. But we will get into that, I promise, in due course, Michael Hamlet. But uh, a big, big match for tonight's show, the women's tag team titles on the line how are you feeling about nxt tonight well i'm feeling like there's one big match to get excited about and nothing else and to recycle my crack from our little like preparation for this podcast this feels like a preview of a show that is about to lose a war conclusively um all the echo old nitro there um nitro in 2001 cruise weights were good the women are good that's that's the thing that you can tune in for the women are still pretty good the angles and the matches are pretty hot um like Lex Luger and Kevin Nash and Diamond Dallas Page are no longer what they all were several years ago, like Tommaso Ciampa or Johnny Gargano or even, you know, Bertrand Larkin at this point. Um, you kind of like, you were made to ask, I was asking, but nobody else was in 2001. What next for Jeff Jarrett? Like that's kind of the case for Karrion Cross. There's all these just like equivalents to this show that, yeah, it, this this is very much of the time, if the time is indeed about three weeks until the end of the war. I'm not going to be wholly negative during this preview, but it just stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Oh, that's why this was over. Yeah, there's a match, and I'll probably repeat this take when we come to it, that is so quintessentially NXT. And by that, I mean, like, it's probably going to be really, really good. <laughs> and yet it's so gruff and intense and black trunks and metal and masculine and it's so what isn't it in pro wrestling anymore. And it is so unfashionable. And people will buy it for criticizing it. Because it's like, oh, it's going to be a really good match. And it's like, aye. But Portridge Shrug, you know, we'll get to it. You know what it is. 
Uh, so let's talk about this women's tag team title match. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler taking on the winners of the Dusty Classic, of course, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez's big back. Um, could the title change hands here, Michael Hamlet? I wish they would. Um, it'd be amazing for those belts. It'd give them, it'd, you know, potentially give Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez a reason to be as a unit for a little bit longer until Raquel Gonzalez. And I've said before, I'm not necessarily in favour of splitting these two off straight away when Raquel Gonzalez defeats Io Shirai. I quite like the idea of them being together at first before maybe a third of the title pulls them apart rather than it just being anything a bit more contrived than that. So the title belts are as good as a way as any as uh, keeping them together. However, it's really hard to like not watch an episode of Monday Night Raw, not see two awful programmes in this tag division and think... Oh, yeah, they're keeping them on Naya and Shayna. That's just, you could just tell on Raw, despite how awful the champions were booked and how awful both of those feuds are set up. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, about Lana and Naomi, for anyone that doesn't watch Raw. Uh, Lana and Naomi are set up as another one contenders. They were buried. Charlotte and Asuka are going to get another shot. Shayna Baszler lost to Charlotte. Like, those two things reek of more tag title matches on Monday Night Raw. So as much as I would love to see it go the way of Kai and Gonzalez, it just doesn't feel like they want to take the belts off these two yet. I got reasonable hopes for the match. Genuinely, like reasonable hopes for the match. Mm. Um, NXT can't magic a good worker out of Nia Jax. But as proven in NXT, they can agent an amazing Nia Jax match. And that's the crucial difference. It's not everybody there. It's not Bailey in London. But there are people there that put together some pretty great Nia Jax matches once upon a time in NXT. And I would hope that they're going to extenuate the strengths of her character. I would like to see... Um, Nia Jax be physically dominant over De- uh, Dakota Kai as a way to put over Raquel Gonzalez huge when she does something huge to Nia Jax, a power slam, a push through a table. So like just something that exhibits like Raquel Gonzalez's amazing strength after we've seen two or three minutes of Jax exhibiting that. I'd love to see Dakota Kai show her growth as a performer over the last two years, as she did in the, the back and forth with Shayna by showing that she's not there to be bullied by Baszler anymore. I think there's some like really good depth that you can reach into for that one. So I've got like quite high hopes for the match. I think it'll main event because I think they'd be stupid to have it open the show against Shaq and Cody on the other side. I think they should like plug the hell out of this over the two hours. They can honestly wave this flag. And this is, this is the one thing right now in this war that we've lost that the opposition probably couldn't do as well as we can. Stay tuned for the end of the show. I don't think it's going to work, but I think that's the strategy they should take. And I, I genuinely have high hopes for the match. It's a weird one to preview because when you analyze any prospective title switch to try and determine whether or not it's going to happen. You are looking at the booking of one program and you are trying to measure um, how stale the champions are. If that new champion or champions like needs to get over at this point, if it's a culmination of a big hero struggle or whatever, it's all the administration of it is all quite neat and tidy and you can just trace the timing of the switch, whether it makes sense, what management thinks of these wrestlers, if it's in the case of WWE, because obviously they're very hot and cold on so many of them. This is vastly different in that a tag title switch here will create a big structural change in terms of how Raw is booked or isn't booked particularly well. Um how NXT would have to revamp in a way its women's division. It just all feels like too much like the hard work that WWE just simply won't commit mm. to in its new guise as a contact factory, a content factory. So 
Some of it is a contact factory. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I can't, for those big sweeping reasons, buy in at the prospect of a title switch. But at the same time, that's usually like why, like totally detrimental to the drama of a title fight. But I completely echo Hamlet's opinions. I think this could be really, really good. I would love to see, and I think I will see, Raquel Gonzalez do something quite debilitating and spectacular to Nia Jax. I think it'll give Shayna Baszler the time to build that story that was abandoned cruelly um, with Dakota Kai. I just think that they like Shayna Baszler. More to the point, they grasp, they get Shayna Baszler down in NXT. Um, and I think they'll really sort of revel in having her back for this purpose. Um, Dakota Kai is going to eat the pin. It's all very obvious, but for all of the reasons Hamlet's pointed out, like, I think this could be really, really strong. Certainly the best thing Nia Jax has done in years. Because <laughs> the best, the last good thing she ever did was in 2018 against Ronda Rousey. From then it's been dangerous and boring and like really that kind of heel heat that WWE does. Um, but yeah, this will be the best thing she's done in three years and that's something to celebrate. Dread it. Run from it. <laughs> Rako Gonzalez is winning the tag titles and wearing it backwards so you can see her back when she sees the title. I'm, I'm going completely heart overhead here, but I really, like, for all the reasons you said, it, you're, you're both completely right why it's not going to happen. But there's always that, that little bit of me that's, are you telling me there's a chance that we could have wholesale changes for Monday Night Raw? And that could be the arrival of Dakota Kai and Rako Gonzalez to face Lana and Naomi. Or whatever it may be, or just you know, hoy them into like, oh well, you've got a title shot, but we've just lost the title, so we'll make it this weird triple threat thing. Maybe hoy and Charlotte, and I don't know. I hope the titles change hands, but uh, Sid, as you as you explain there, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't see it happening at all. But the thing about these great sweeping changes that I think mean a switch isn't imminent. All those sweeping changes are in fact great and should happen. Yeah. Like, this Raw's women's tag team division is absolutely ridiculous. The idea that it's this like pan brand title, we've never really explored that, the potential of that narrative device. NXT's got an absolutely loaded women's division. Yeah. The fact that they have tag teams in it now, um, stemming from the Dusty Cup means the timing's perfect because it feels more organic than it ever would at any other calendar point of the calendar. And you can correct some of the quite dry booking in that division by creating connections, by preserving title matches and not having another vehicle to advance these single storylines that aren't just the punishingly dull beat down video package formula. Like for all of those reasons and more, they absolutely should do the switch. Absolutely. Mm. Those titles belong on NXT. Yeah, I, I would much rather. It's a progressive brand in women's wrestling representation. And it's kind of a disgrace, really a disgrace that they aren't on those brands. They aren't on that brand. I'd much rather see, you know, Dakota Kai and Rako Gonzalez. I think they could drag a decent match out of Naomi and, and Lana. And, uh, you know, the other options are what? Like Natalia and Tamina challenging for the titles? The riots? No, I don't want to see that. I want to see, you know... Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. I want to see Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. I want to see Zia Lee and the thousand-year-old dragon slave wizard woman. 
like, far more interesting, that, 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 like you say, with, with the establishment of this women's tag division now, do the switch. They won't, but I hope they will. And I'll, I'm going to be back in Dakota Khan Rackle Gonzalez tonight. Uh, speaking of Rafael tag team. Gonzalez. Nice. Um, speaking of tag team matches, Sige, let's talk about Birch, Birch and Lorcan, the, uh, the NXT tag team champions against Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. I assume this is the match you were alluding to earlier. Yes, so NXT. So <laughs> NXT it hurts. Like it'll be it could be great. Capital G great. Um, but it's just so not it in terms of what gets over and what gets people talking and what is entertaining is the word, right? Entertainment. And it's shocking how NXT has completely failed to fulfill that brief, considering it's a WWE brand. It is not entertaining, fun episodic American wrestling telly. American wrestling telly is something that NXT isn't. This match completely embodies that. Um, it's a lot of gruff, serious dudes doing incredibly solid slash exciting work that you couldn't possibly care about. And I, it's not just me and my latent cynicism of NXT over the last however many years. This just isn't. No one's talking about this match. No one talks about these performers. See, none of the capital horrible D discourse word about them because it's so functional, solid, uninspiring, worthy. There's nothing worse than being worthy. And that's what this match very much is. In terms of the content of the match, again, it'll be great. In terms of the results, um, I think we're ready for a switch. Birch and Lorcan have done really nothing with the titles. It's non-title this, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Is it? Yeah. I would do the switch. I would do the switch. Um, it's kind of like for like, like Poulos replacing Bruce at West Brom in 2011 or whatever. <laughs> that might have happened. Um, only you'll get a better brand of football. But I would do the switch. The Kings of NXT feel like a fading concern. Um, the fact that there was no NXT tag team. I know they did the Dusty Cup finals at the most recent takeover, but if Birch and Lorcan were really hot on this rule, they would have found a space for them on the card and done a third tag team match. Why not? If they were that good as champions, haven't really ever felt it. I would do the switch. Absolutely. I think you've got way better talker and champer than Birch or Lorcan. I feel like they're more liked by NXT management to do something. I feel like it's the best way of getting something out of champer. There's an absolutely fabulous worker and character in Tommaso Ciampa that is just never once ignited as such on this move to USA. I feel like him being a tag team champion is the absolute best means of extracting value from your most valuable asset. So, like, uh, I echo all of the sentiments about this match. I look at this match and I, I cannot see anything interesting. So instead, I have to look at an angle uh, and what it might mean and something like a title switch or something like how you move forward from this match, what follows it. Um, and I'm sad that you previewed it by saying, oh God, it's four guys in black trunks being boring. Because I think the end of this match sees four guys in black trunks being boring running in when Imperium make their return. I think it happens here. Um, I think Birch and Larkin perhaps lose to Champion Thatcher in a non-title to establish Champion Thatcher as worthy contenders to the title. Pete Dunne, who now is kind of a man without an angle, runs in to help lead a three-on-two beat down and then you get the music 
and it's four on three on two and it's Imperium and they're back and they clear the ring and they're kind of theoretically baby faces because they ran off um, the Kings of NXT. There's a bit of afters, a bit of a stare between Walter and Pete Dunne because Walter's broken Pete Dunne's record with that belt. It's the one thing that kind of like Pete Dunne had great pride over as the UK champion because it sort of half meant something in his hands compared to what it's meant in Walter's. Um, so you've got that loose thread. You've got Imperium re-entering the tag division as a possible option. I was going to say opportunity, but that would in, that would suggest that I'm excited by the prospects. So I'll just say option instead. <laughs> um, more guys, more black trunks, more very serious fights. The team I want to see, Wesley's injured. So they have to hold off on the MSK stuff. He's broken hand or something. Yeah. So I completely understand why they're laying back a little bit on MSK's eventual title shot. That's where the excitement is, um, is them. Uh, perhaps getting a title shot, perhaps having one more match with the Grizzled Young Vets. That's the vision of the tag division I want to see. If we have to put that on ice, we're probably going to get a vision of the last one, which is pretty goddamn trap. Anyone knows about the return of Imperium, of course it's going to be you. So <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised now you've said that if that happens. Although the moment you said that, I didn't think, oh, maybe you could get a you know, tag, you know, tag title match or whatever. I thought, oh my God, we could get Walter versus Pat McAfee. So that was my, my brain with ah, yes. that. We'll have that. Based on what people say about what I look like on Twitter, that would just be the two Spider-Man guys pointing at each other, wouldn't it? (laughs) Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Uh, right, look what else we got on this card for tonight. Carrion Cross, what is next to him? He murked Santa's Escort. He quite an enjoyable m- match last week, but I don't know where he goes next, Hamlet. I 
don't care where he goes next. Ideally, a raw, I think. But it's not happening, is it? He's here. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all the... Uh, I, You know, I'm not going to complain in advance of something. It's not happened. Like, I'm not going to be a total arsehole about what might entertain me tonight. But NXT have some questions to answer with Karrion Cross, uh, And questions that we pose on these previews. He decimated um, three cruiserweights last week in that way that doesn't... Partic- like, I thought it was an entertaining car crash spectacle but he doesn't feel more of a threat than he did before you know it's it's given with one and taken away with the other in terms of a booking of this character does he focus his attention on Finn Balor when Finn Balor is involved in a you know more engaging feud elsewhere ultimately like a more regardless like we were pretty critical of Adam Cole's like the casting of Adam Cole last week as the stare at your hands run your hands through your hair like serious heel. I'm so sorry, Roddy, kick him in the face, etc. But that's that's proper pro wrestling stuff in terms of a title feud for Finn Balor. That's way more engaging. There's triple threats of there's fatal four ways there that you want to see a takeover. Carrying cross just feels like a total outsider to all of that. So what is he gonna like is Adam Cole gonna stare at his hands again and then suddenly a tarot card is gonna emerge in one of them? Or are they it's gonna be a fireball that just emerges in his face? Or something? like is he gonna just force his way into a good normal storyline? with dark arts and magic because if he's not in the title picture like i I kind of worry for him i I think they're going to want to do something big and spectacle for him at at takeover but i don't see what that is yet so i'll welcome nxt to answer that question i've got no idea and the more you try and think about what in fact he could end up doing the more the booking just collapses in on itself um I, he's, he is a de facto babyface in that the last person he beat up was a heel. Mm-hmm. So who is a relatively strong heel on this program at the upper mid-card level that he can have a match against to just do some solid stuff before he does some important stuff? And I'm struggling. I'm struggling big time to see what he does. Um, does he... Does Cameron Grimes draw the ire of Karrion Cross? No. Sorry. And all of that money goes towards trying to buy out someone who's got no interest in material wealth, unless he's been, you know, got a tab at the magic shop that needs to be. <laughs> um, that is something they increasingly feel like they could do. I just got the image of that opening of the, the office. The office. I was thinking, no, of, no, 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 no. no. Carrying cross, being like, can you put my dove on a wand on the slate, please? So, uh, there's a weird dynamic, which of which NXT is very fond of late. There's a kind of a premise there in terms of, well, how can you buy out that guy? Or how long is it going to wait for him to beat up Cameron Grimes? I think that's going to be it. We've got a knack, you know. I bury them for having no concept of what to do on episodic TV all the time. They've got a knack of going, well, hang on, what the fuck's all this about? <laughs> why does Austin Theory like... The, I mean, um, why does Austin Theory like Dexter Loomis all of a sudden? You know. What's going on with that dragon? <laughs> We've got a knack of making you ask the question, what's going on there? And I think a uh, dynamic between Cross and Grimes, you make you ask that? Yeah. 
What's going on? I got some absolute nightmare fuel for both of you and anyone listening to this. Takeover, it's a one-off. I got them back probably a month if they're going to do it at WrestleMania. Uh, Karrion Cross versus Velveteen Dream. Um, and I say that because we know that like Triple H is still in his DMs. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Triple H is still in his DMs, uh, checking in, checking if he's all right. Yeah, it's just, it just an injury thing. Uh, come on, can you not pat me on the back again, please? That was what I set these up for. Like, uh, it's Favourite still, in, he's still in, the, like, he's still in the conversation, isn't he? Like Triple H is like only willing to talk about him in terms of him as a wrestler, not him as an offender. So uh, yeah, uh, like I'm, I'm short on heels, um, and unless I'm pitching Imperium for two separate angles, and it's frigging <laughs> Walt, it's frigging Walter, like carrying cross all along. Clock's ticking on that UK heavyweight title because I want to, like, he wants to go to the BT Sports Studio or something. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Maybe Valentine Dream because they're both magic shop, <laughs> like, <laughs> both magic shop customers. Like maybe, maybe you bumped into him and like Valentine Dream was buying a chaise lounge or something for his act. God. Yeah, his it's act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that's the only way that they can go. You know, remember when they they had Kashida beat the crap out of Valentine Dream and it was like, there we go, everyone. I'm not that. Yeah, then, that was so weird. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't want to see Velveteen Dream back in NXT for obvious reasons. Um, is there. Oh, look, Sam. Oh, look, Kevin. It's the police. <laughs> <laughs> but I have no idea. And I think if he does face Grimes, I'd, I'd, had, I'd hand cross his, his first loss for obvious reasons. Um, okay. But Michael Sidgwick, is tonight the night Adam Cole turns heel on the Undisputed Era <laughs> again? Well, that's again, it's that question. And I think it's because the booking's quite bad. Where you think, I don't know what's all this? <laughs> Heal Adam Cole on this program at present is setting up a range of babyface opponents. That's not how it works, is it? Because sooner or later, that's going to feel like a struggle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just... They can't get numbers of baby faces or heels right on the show. I don't understand how you get Cole to that NXT title, having first taken out O'Reilly and Strong, who are going to be partnered without thinking that's Al Wonky. You know, he's coming. Do they just be nice and let? each other do their own thing and say, oh, we're not going to gang up our baby faces on Adam Cole. You've still got the idea that Adam Cole is fighting alone and he's a heel. It's just uh wrong as this. I don't know what happens and it's not that kind of fantasy booking or previewing this bit of escapism that you like and that you think, oh, I'd love it if it was in this direction. I'd love it if it was in that direction. Of the go this direction, who knows? So I just, I don't know, but I'm not bothered. I like it, but I don't love it. I can, I can echo about half of that. I like um, Adam Cole versus Roderick Strong versus Finn Balor for the title. I really do, as a main event. Um, I think the match is more interesting than a Finn Balor singles match mm. because you've got the dynamic of Strong and Cole to work with. Uh, I really like Cole's thirst for the NXT title because that kind of never should have... That's like the one thing that they've kind of never dropped. They've just hidden in plain sight all along. Um, there's lots to like about this story. It was just a, a bit like how that segment was arranged and the performances that were asked of these wrestlers 
is doing nothing for me. I, I like these whining promos from Strongs and your O'Reilly's. I like keeping... So what he's done to Strong is not as harsh and severe as what he did to Kyle O'Reilly because Kyle O'Reilly is the guy to keep out of that situation for now. He's the end goal as a babyface world champion. He's the end goal as a guy probably that takes it off Adam Cole. In fact, that's the great story here, isn't it? Is that Cole gets that belt back that he's turned on everybody just to win back. And then Kyle O'Reilly's heroic return at his third attempt having lost twice to Finn Balor, gets the job done. Like There's a there's a great story they can craft there. So I think you get to this three-way um, with the three of them interacting, because he's only kicked Strong in the face, hasn't he? Strong, by all rights, should be back this week. Punch him in the be, dick, have, But yeah, like, he should be back this week, which which for Roderick Strong is a significant... But like, it should be him having a word this week, shouldn't it? It shouldn't... like This shouldn't be Roderick Strong outselling like Kyle O'Reilly can justifiably be. So get moving to this triple threat. Finn Balor, I quite like how Finn Balor's been used here as well because there's a couple of times now where he's like tried to come out and not get caught in the crossfire and then physically get caught in the crossfire. So he's entitled to be a bit pissed off. He doesn't just need to be the like the moody cat that he was the last few <laughs> months. He's been given a reason to be a miserable bastard and I think that was what felt missing from Finn Balor's presentation. He was kind of coming out and dragging everybody down a little bit. It was like, oh, you won a war games, did you, on the Spirit Era? I'm a cat. Like, let's just cheer up. Just cheer up a bit. Like, the baby faces are doing all right. Um, well, how about you, Kyle O'Reilly? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for him. It's just this guy that, like, that you hope wouldn't turn up at the pub. Like, yeah, yeah. there was Finn Balor. Um, he's been dragged in now, physically. And I, I like that. Like, it's been organic. It's been earned. Like, sell me on the triple threat, because I think that's the match. Yeah, I agree. The, the billing this, of course, as the as the end of an era. They're doing a lot mm. on social media with that, and yeah, it's a it's a nice thing. But we need to move on now. It's been like two, three weeks of oh, what's what's Adam Cole thinking? Well, we know what he's thinking: kill everyone, take the title back. So let's just get on with it. To be perfectly honest, uh, you mentioned Cameron. Gr- you mentioned him uh, earlier, Michael Hamlet. What's he going to get up to this week? I. I... This is going to come up until he gets a storyline. This is going to be a question in this podcast every friggin' week. Yep. And I don't, I don't have an answer ever because <laughs> I, <laughs> because like they don't give us any clues um, other than Cameron Grimes himself, like doing some funny tweets. Um, last week we thought it was going to be, well, they're going to have him interact more with William Regal because the, the money here, um, no pun intended, is that he's kind of richer than needing to have this job anymore. He hangs around for the fun of it, not for the money. And then they went and did some, it was really great, but they went and just did like a Ted DiBiase riff instead. Like I would have never seen that coming, just that I never would have seen the crashed Lamborghini coming. So in spite of them failing to attach a pro wrestling story to this, they're getting it right nonetheless. Mm. So I I, (laughs) don't get this a lot on the NXT preview anymore. I do trust the process. I just think it's really hard to call when there's no apparent match in sight currently. If it's now to do with carrying cross... I expect more skits because I feel like they are having a great deal of fun with them. I think it's a perfect use of Cameron Grimes. Um, he doesn't need to wrestle. I get a bit boring when he starts again, which is weird. It's a, it's a nice thing to say about the creative that he's currently got because he's so great in the ring that I, I didn't think I'd ever want to see him not be in it. Mm. Um, more skits. What can a uh, wrestling adjacent rich guy do that hasn't got anything to do with Ted DiBiase. I've got, I think I've got your answer and I th- and it sort of segues into the final point I want to make for this podcast. I think he moves NXT to Tuesday nights with his money. 
go all in. Bollocks to it if you're going to, because they're not going to say, oh, yeah, we're moving to Tuesday nights because uh, we're getting uh, butchered in the ratings. We haven't won a Wednesday night war since I think the end of 2019 in the 18 to 49. I think Andy was telling me on the news today. So, but they're not going to say that. So just say, William Regal, uh, got some news for you. We're moving to Tuesday nights because uh, uh, Cameron Grimes, he's got, I don't know, grits appreciation uh, night on Wednesday. So just to make it easier, we move the entire show to Tuesdays. I, I don't know, but you just do something bonkers with it uh, that, because I, I'm intrigued to see what they do nonetheless. His failure to grasp what Ted DiBiase was good at and or, or what he just actually did he could have attempted to buy a title, but the problem there is it's not main event material. This mm. better than the main event, <laughs> but it's not main event level material. And the problem is that Johnny Gargano is a fellow heel who's got the um, North American title, so that could come down the line. But in terms of a skit, just let him do what he does because he's great. I've got like um, they've got more female referees on um, NXT, haven't they? He could do a failed attempt at buying the twin referee, but nobody buys it because one's a man and one's a woman. <laughs> so he's, I paid for the surgery, <laughs> but just, everyone can tell the difference. Um, let's talk briefly about the end of the Wednesday Night War, though. Sid, I'd love to know your thoughts. Me and Hamlet are probably going to do a more of a deep dive on this uh, over the weekend, in case you're wondering. But but me and Sid will be previewing Revolution when we do that. So so what do you make of, of today's rumours or last night's rumours? I should probably say. Guys, you know me. You know you're all pop. <laughs> yeah, don't like put myself over very much, right? But if you go to whatculture.com slash WWE and scroll down an awful lot, you will find an article of mine. Or better yet, um, go to whatculture.com, Michael Sidgwick's author page, and you will find an article entitled How the Wednesday Night War Will End. And I called it, it's going to switch nights. I didn't consider the whole NHL deal, which might have something to do with it. But I suggested that, look, it's just not working. In the long term, it's they're cutting off the nose to spite their face. It's been obvious from day one. And I just thought it's all so untenable when the idea is this is meant to be a pipeline into the riches. That's what NXT is meant to function as. Um, so I thought it was going to change nights. And I welcome the change because at least in my capacity as a critic, there is a resentment from NXT because I want to talk about AEW Dynamite. I want the events of Dynamite to register. I want to enjoy that program because a lot of the enjoyment of anything, and no less a goddamn authority than Hiroshi Tanahashi agrees with me here, everything is better when it's registered. And it's hard to do that when you're anticipating your kid waking up and you've got to watch friggin' NXT quickly and apathetically. I welcome the move. And honestly, I felt it coming from the first battle of the war. They could not have been any more different episodes of NXT. Mm -hmm. Matt Riddle, infamously huge among teenage boys, according to um, Dave Meltzer, Mm. was at that time the nailed-on next big babyface NXT champion. And they had him beat clean in the middle by Adam Cole in a desperate bid to do an absolutely exceptional, by the way, warp speed, 12-minute wrestling match, I don't watch that. Watch this. They gave away their best babyface versus heel match, in my opinion, at the time. Whereas AEW, with the majestic show-closing angle, one plot hole away from perfection, that not being that being the match that wasn't stipulated for an ODQ and there was a disqualification, noble offense in it. That one plot hole, what they did is they created a big bang of pro wrestling storytelling 
pro wrestling storytelling. The matches from it were just spawned endlessly. So many different permutations. Sammy Guevara versus Dustin Rhodes, we saw that. Blood and Guts when Ellie saw that. Cody versus Chris Jericho, it advanced that. It even took time to advance Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in a way that made the inner circle with these relentless debuts, shock swerves, babyface saves. They always had the numbers advantage. This is the first deft thing AEW oh. did. It spawned a million matches. It spawned an absolutely great stable. It spawned the friction within the elite further down the line because Hangman Page was always a bit reluctant to, to join in because he didn't feel worthy of the faction that he wanted to leave. All of it was absolutely magnificent. Built, 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 all the storylines. NXT gave away their biggest match. It was happening from day one, and it, those weren't isolated incidences. They embodied the respective philosophies of each show, and it was always untenable and desperate in small dick energy for NXT to do this. And as a result, they got it wrong from literally day one. I welcome the change. I want to be able to just enjoy NXT on its own terms mm-hmm. and not something that I have to hurriedly watch. And that's my specific perspective from the time zone in which I live um, from my job role. But at the same time, everything moves so fast and there's so much choice that I think it reflects on the viewership in general. By the time you've watched Dynamite, by the time the general public, wrestling public have talked about Dynamite, by the time they might get around to watching NXT the next night, there's another new story. There's a new, another entertainment thing. There's another video game like You can't rely on people, particularly with such a solid functional product, to want to watch it on delay. Just it's been an absolute disaster from day one. It really, um, it really showed. Like I was never really aware, quite to the extent at least, of the quantifiable power of buzz. And I think this war has brought that into focus. That you like for you know all like kind of Twitter numbers sometimes feel meaningless. What that what those numbers do reflect is genuine buzz. When you see the number of tweets about a a show, particularly in the pandemic era, it's been like a genuinely helpful metric, regardless of the actual content of the conversation. WWE used to lean on those numbers because that many people were hashtagging them, even if they were being critical of the show. Broadly speaking, most people are using those hashtags on Wednesday nights and into Thursdays. They're not critics, they're fans, and they're just using the hashtag because they want it to be part of the conversation. They're watching a show and they're tweeting along. A lot of live tweets, a lot of takes, all that sort of stuff. It's not, it's, it sometimes is, but it's not like generally gags at the show's expense. And AEW is just dwarf NXTs. It started as maybe doubling the number, now it's trebling, quadrupling every now and then. And they're all isolated and they're all real proven exceptions. Like NXT does something that is the buzzworthy moment of the night. Um, I seem to recall Karrion Cross's debut being one of those, for example, um, because of its presentation. But this is the point. You can isolate them really rather quickly. And considering we're nearly two years into a ratings war, that, again, like it's, it, there's, there's going to be countless cases of evidence for how AEW have done this. And obviously the discourse will never properly end because all of those like, weirdos will just insist, well, it was completely as a result of the NHL. And that may be the boring administrative reason now, but this in itself was an inevitability. Like WCW died because they lost network presence in 2001. WCW was going to die from late 1998 onwards, you know? So this was gonna, this was inevitably, even if it was just USA Network administration that brought it about. So that conversation, that element of the conversation will never die. But yeah, this is, um, this is really like showing me how powerful buzz can be and how hard it is to capture and maintain and how NXT have like really failed to do that. And they were once the buzzworthy brand. Mm. AEW has deservedly taken that. 
my last take before Hamlet expands on these thoughts in the upcoming podcast and before we bring this podcast um, to a close is that NXT it came up not just the way that they book and the way that they make matches and the way that they preserve matches, but in terms of philosophy, in terms of what was trendy, NXT was never going to catch up. NXT was so buzzworthy at the time because you got a little bit of that which seemed impossible in terms of absolutely breathless, state-of-the-art work rate, fused, more importantly, with fun, euphoric, babyface victories. They were only ever going to, in retrospect, embrace that. They were never going to embrace the real change that pro wrestling needed, the expression, the creative freedom um, that AEW was illuminated and encouraged. Um, You're never going to see that from any WWE brand ever, in my opinion, with the systemic way that it's all content now. So what NXT made trendy or made euphoric once upon a time, they were just never positioned to be able to recapture said buzz, in my opinion. Uh, right, well, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed uh, regarding this on Twitter, and we'll hopefully try and mention some of them over the weekend whilst me and Hamlet discuss this in more detail. But one final thing to do, a sort of microcosm of what we've discussed there, and that is predict the Wednesday Night War ratings, AEW being NXT 831,000 to 734,000 last week. Uh, Hamlet winning because he was the most confident about AEW's numbers. Um, so, Hamlet, how do you see it going this week? Quite a big show for AEW. Yeah, a monster. Um I suggested it'd be a murder and a slaughter when we recorded the AEW preview just before this one. 890 versus 690 in favour of AEW. But I kind of wish I'd committed to uh, the 900 now. Like the, after talking about this NXT, it's made me want to increase AEW's number. But I'll stick with my original. Sage, time is upon us. I've never predicted it. I might have predicted it once. Never predicted it often. I'm not very bullish about the ratings because of the goddamn NXT skid mark. 1.1 million AEW Dynamite's favour goes without saying. We'll take the skin in the scalp and the bones of NXT's 609. It just feels like this is what celebrities do when Shaq's a big one, literally and figuratively. Yeah, I've, I've definitely predicted AEW do a million on many occasions, uh, the eternal optimist that I am, but I'm saying they're going to do it again. One million dead on this week plays NXT's 650. But yeah, either way, we're all predicting, hello, police, I'd like to report a murder. Uh, right, let us know your thoughts ahead of the Wednesday Night War tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch so they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. And you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our preview of the big AEW Dynamite is available right now. Our reviews of both shows will be there tomorrow, as will our review of uh, AEW Revolution in the small hours of Monday morning. Do join us for the AEW Revolution live stream on Sunday night on What Culture's YouTube channel. But for now, this has been the Wednesday Night World preview of NXT. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> 
Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.